Hello folks, Cormac Walsh here from Bass Fishing Ireland and you're very welcome to the Lure Fishing Podcast. In episode 15, I'm delighted to say I talked to artist David Miller. David is based in the UK and has spent a lifetime studying artwork and producing these fantastic images capturing wildlife in its natural habitat. David is also an accomplished angler and diver and in this conversation we have a great chat and David shares his knowledge of the marine world. So I hope you enjoy this as much as I do folks. Do you get a chance to do much fishing these days, David? I don't. I don't do a lot these days. It's not so much um, uh, the the opportunity over the years. I've spent so long on underwater with, with the fish, photographing them, um, and I've also kept a lot of fish in, in tanks over the years. Species that I paint a lot, like like perch and tench and roach, etc. And I've started to see them um, more, more like wildlife, if you like, that, that, than a quarry. Um, I mean, I'll always and forever love angling and, and ne- never ever, you know, be, be anti-angling. But from my own point of view, um, that that will to hunt, the wish to hunt, the, the, the real longing to, to, to catch the fish, to have contact and everything that goes with it, the, the wonder of... You know, if you if you surf fishing for bass, you know, stood stood with the breakers crashing up to your chest, or if you're out in a little rib, in a tidal rip, all all, all of that connection side of it, which goes with fishing, it, it's wonderful, and it puts a lot of men right at the heart of nature, who who wouldn't be there otherwise. But for me now, if you said to me, would would you like to you know catch thirty bass in an afternoon? Or get an amazing bit of uh, of interaction with them on the reef, and, you know, and get some nice video. Uh, I would go for the video every time. Um, yeah, no, I, I totally, yeah, I get where you're coming from, and um, I suppose you're kind of more well known these days, I suppose, for your art, of course, and and crafts and stuff. And um, but but you know, you obviously did start off angling. Is that fair to say, David? I, I, absolutely, from the age of ten, probably like a, a lot of guys who, who you know would listen to your podcast and, and who are anglers now. For some reason, um, I don't know you you know of the angling writer, the um, English writer Chris Yates, one of my favourite angler writers. Yes. He, he he thinks that some people have like a fishing gene or, or at least that it's really strong in some people. So, you know, I've got two brothers and, and they both fish with me. And so some, you know, guys I'm still friends with from those early days, they, they go fishing, but it doesn't do anything for them. And there's people like me, you, you catch a fish, and you, you, you're more hooked than any fish could, could ever be. You're, you're absolutely beside yourself with yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and that that was me. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. You said that about a fishing gene. Uh, yeah, that that's that's. That, I'd I'd like to think that I have the fishing gene. You know, it's uh, there's definitely something to it, as you said. Like you know, people ask me, well, you know, why do you why do you go fishing? And I'm like, well, how long how long do you have for me to explain to you, like all the benefits and positives about it? You know, it it, it it's it truly is wonderful. And I also know, um, you know, from my own experience. Um, you know, I've had a lot of difficulties over the years, you know, mental health-wise, I suppose, like, like a lot of people. And angling was always, uh, you know, if, if I was at my, my very worst, you know, times, I'm, I'm, I'm good now, I've never, never been terrible, but, you know, you get depressed or anxious. And angling was always there, perhaps because you did it so much as a 10, 11, 12, you know, right through my adolescence. Um, I, I lived for, for fishing, you know, absolutely lived for it. 
And then it's a connection then with with the younger self, you know, when times were simpler. And it's it's always, and I know friends who've crashed and burned, again, like a lot of men do, um, especially with alcohol in midlife. My my closest friend, we've been friends now for 50 years, and he ended up in in rehab uh, about 12 years ago. And he was lost, you know, everything had gone wrong, um, finances, marriage, you know the story. And he came down. Yeah, yeah. He came down here, uh, you know, basically to come to come on holiday to, to be near me. And he borrowed a little spinning rod because he said there's there's a little stream. He'd stopped fishing when when we were in our twenties. Um, borrowed a little spinning rod and he phoned up, re- really excited. He caught some wee brownies, which, which were very similar to to ones we cut our teeth on. As youngsters, and he he was off and running, and and still now he he comes down here a couple of times a year, and um, pretty pretty much for, I think it's fair to say that he would say that, that the angling helped him through you know the most difficult stage of his life, and I think you know there there are I'm saying I'm not anti angling certainly not, and you know there is a. Um, a certain body of people that th- think it's cruel. It's not. It's not done in any sense of that, is it? Of, of cruelty. It's done to give us a, a very real, um, an, an ancient connection with the natural world because we are we are hunter gatherers, and we would have been, you know, five thousand years ago, we would have been catching fish to to eat. And in the modern yeah. modern world, we're so disconnected. Um, I think, anyway, from the real world, you know, getting food from the supermarket, artificial light, you know, living if you live in a city. Um, and for a lot of guys, if you, if you are in an urban environment and you do a job in an office, if you're fishing, it's it's connecting you with something ancient um, in, in your psyche. So, so it's it's not a surprise to me, you know, that that people love it and and uh, and live for it. Um, and yeah, then, absolutely. Then... It's it, it's you're you're so right there with uh you know I talk I talk to a lot of people uh, just from social media and things meet people fishing and you know even myself as well as you said like with mental health and that over the years a lot of a lot of men I I see in particular anyway seem to suffer for it and you know to use the fishing to to really help them uh, it's it's definitely something I'd like to touch more on. Uh, at some stage in the podcast how like the benefits of of fishing but as you said it's not just the going and catching fish there's so much to it you know it's been out outside it's been by the sea it's been in the water in the elements um, and then it's a bonus if you do catch something obviously you get that adrenaline you get that kick that we all keep chasing after Oh, that that saying that the the tug is a drug. If if you said what what do you miss most? Because you know I, I do still fish. I've got um, my, my cousin and second cousin are coming down next week, and and they're keen. Um, you know, again they live in the middle of of Oldham, part of the Manchester conurbation. They're keen for me to share some of Pembrokeshire with them. So so I'll take them bass fishing from the rocks. But um, if you said what do you miss most about not fishing a lot? I, I you know. The bulk of my fishing the last few years has been for for bass from my little rib, um, little zodiac rib. And when you're drifting over the pinnacles, and and it's all exciting anyway because you're in a you know little, little tiny boat with with the sort of rips 
you know, that you get around Rocky Course, where if it all goes wrong, you might die. So you've got that excitement. Yeah. yeah. Then, then you can see. It's a good incentive to get it right. Absolutely. You can see the shoals of fish stacked upon the pinnacles, and you drop down your your um, your fish black minnow, and then that thump. And, and, and with bass and, and pollock, no matter how many I've caught, even though it's hundreds of, over the years, uh, you still think, God, that's a good fish. You know, the absolute savagery. These fish, are, you know, they are animals, wild, wild creatures making a living in a hostile environment. And when they hit that lure, and, you know, we used to fish on light tackle because we rarely saw bass over five pounds. You, you might get the odd sort of dog of a pollock near, near a 10. But most of the bass, you know, I don't know many of my friends in Pembrokeshire who catch a lot, five pound plus. So you, you're on light tackle. Um, you know, and even a four-pound bass on that in, in a good riff, it's like, well done to oh, you. That's brilliant. I mean, it, it is. It's fantastic. And and again, the, and the it's way. like as you said, you never you never get tired of that. It never wears off that feeling of when you hit that fish hits the rod, you know, hits the lure, and you can feel the thump thump like that. For me, that it's like the first time all over again every time you get a fish, you know, and uh, it's just fantastic. You know, it never wears off, and you, the search. To, to get that feeling again, it's what drives you on. Uh, absolutely. And again, that, that connection with, with a living creature, um, again, if you think of your average man's life, um, you know, and, and the, the fulfilling the hunting gene, which I, I don't think anyone could argue against as, as being part of our heritage, that's the only time that, that a lot of men get get that sense of, connection um and what i love about fishing as well compared with you know, you're shooting wildfowl or, or or ducks uh, sorry wildfowl um or pheasants or any game bird but once you've shot it that's it but with with the with the angling you can at least let let the quarry go i i used to apologize used to usually take a few pictures for reference and then uh, apologize to the fish for <laughs> The studies suggest that um, mortality, you know, survival rates on, on bass with, with sport fishing are very good. So, uh, so that's good to know. Yeah, and it's great. I noticed over here over the years, like more and more anglers, like, you know, it's, it's they're really big into catch and release now. And there's nearly more an emphasis on, you know, releasing the fish. And uh, it's fantastic. Any videos or any any pictures I'd post of fish releases, people react very well to it. And it just seems to be the way to go now. You know, I suppose, you know, as you said earlier, like just because we, we catch bass doesn't mean you know, we, we don't like them. We're actually very fond of them in a, in a kind of uh, uh, funny kind of way, isn't it? We, we we love them more than anybody. You, you find me a man. You might you might have literally like like not point not point not percent of the population who are fishery scientists or, or aquarists. You know, or if for some reason you know they're into fish, but it's so so rare. Most people with regards to fish, they'll, they'll say, "How do you cook it?" <laughs> That's the that's the perspective. What does it taste like? The the only people. Yeah, are, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, you, the way that you've managed your, your stocks over there, you know, is 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 great. You know, as I understand it, a, a moratorium on on the Irish boats, commercially fishing for the bass. Yeah, the, it's the great. Only, the yeah. only people over here fighting for the bass are, are the are the bass anglers. You know, the bass angling sport fishing society. Great, great bunch of lads putting in a lot of time, a lot of effort. Um, you know, a serious amount of, the, of their own personal time, you know, lo- lobbying politicians, looking into the science of it 
I don't think there's anybody else, you know, unless you're, you're talking general marine conservationist, you know, who are trying to look after the whole, you know, the whole marine environment. Um, you know, and again, kudos to that. But in terms of bass as an individual species, it's only anglers. Um, That's it. You know, it's so important to anglers. We we are kind of the guardians of of the sea bass in reality. You know, in particularly here in Ireland, because I know. Every year, um, there is a bit of pressure put on to, uh, you know, open the commercial fishery again. And sure, you know yourself, if that happens, uh, it'll have, you know, kind of major impact on the stocks. So um, it is important that anglers kind of, you know, get together and, um, you know, look to the future and think about how are we going to protect um, bass in the future. Uh, absolutely, Cormac. And what you've just said there, Neil, for me, which is look to the future. And, I, and I'm, I'm trying, you know, I get a lot of followers, um, only because I think I've done it for so long. Or, or, you know, it, it's been I've been lucky to get in early with, with Facebook in particular and build up a lot of followers. And a lot of them are anglers because I post a lot of, you know, angling pictures, fish, pictures of fish. And again, as, as we've just discussed, but I've, I've also got, got friends, especially who are, who are conservationists. And what saddens me, um, is this sort of battle lines to some extent, um, I, and, I, and I have tried to open up like, like polite debate because a lot of anglers and, and hunters, and obviously the two go together. I've got friends, um, you know, who, who, you know, they fish in the summer and then they, they hunt in the winter. And the, the, yeah. I don't think hatred is too strong a word from some of them, of what they call tree huggers, um, you know, bloody idiots, that woolly-minded, um, they don't know the real world. But I think it's that's a narrow-minded view and, and you know, conserving something for, for the future for your own benefit, but, but, you know, as has been seen in Ireland. But also, if you've got children and grandchildren, and to me, that's what I'd always say to somebody, I have a real thing about how things are. And if you look at all the stats and all the graphs and all sorts of um, you know, marine species in particular, if you think of species like cod, and look at look at the slide down, and it's only going one way. And you you will get, especially commercial fishermen, not so much anglers, who will tell you that, that that's all all bullshit. But clearly, these are fishery scientists; they, they live and breathe it. Um, why, yeah. why, why wouldn't you, as an angler, you know, be be on the side of 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 the conservationist? You know, I, I am an angler conservationist, and I don't see any any contradiction at all. Um, you know, be, be between the two things. Um, yeah, no, it's exactly like, and it would be, you know, it would be a disaster. Say, you know, in, in ten years' time, twenty years' time, if there was no bass here, you know, if I couldn't fish for bass, or as you said, my grandkids or whatever, if they couldn't fish for a bass, I think that'd be because you know it, it'd be such such a shame. So hopefully, hopefully, we can prevent that from happening anyway. I, I, absolutely, I, I do hope so. We, they'll, they'll be they'll be resorted to looking at your pictures to see what if that fish looked like. You yeah, know, remind them, remind them what a bass, yeah, yeah. A bass looked like. Yeah, yeah. One thing I'm really really interested to talk to you about is actually, you know, from an angling point of view, we as anglers we only get a kind of a two D perspective, obviously, and we cast out into the water. We can't see them below. We're only kind of we have all these theories of what the bass are doing, their behavior, activity, but. You've actually, you know, obviously another hobby of yours is diving and, and free diving. And you've spent quite a considerable amount of time in the water, in their environment. So um, I'm really interested to find out 
how that has been for you and what you've kind of learned? It's been, um, you know, I can't, honestly, I can't find the words. Uh, Wonderful. you know some of the best moments of, of of my you know life as a as a naturalist um, have, have been when you're sort of six meters down and and you know from past experience that there's bass in the area, and then you see you know a, a slight shadow movement and then suddenly, uh, which I had last year, I haven't found the numbers yet this year. You might have as many as as um, Hundred plus bass circling. You know, and I'm not sure what that's all about, but this circle round, the great big circle, really, right, yeah. right around your head, yeah, so, so, swimming around your head. Um, and you know, what, that's what, fascinating. What, what you get more than anything, um, I mean, with all fish, but with the bass, more than I don't know the the, the pollock, um, the, the 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 big old wrasse, um Everything else seems a little bit sedate. That the bass are absolutely wired. You, they, they're just like a gang. So uh, on on the hunt for some action, um, and and re- re- really sort of uh, muscling and in, you know that's that's how I see them for the most part. But but I've also seen them one one place. It was my my favourite um, little bay, really not far from Scomer Island. And again, this this is wild dangerous water you've got a legendary you know bit of water called jack sound in between the mainland and skoma famous for draining small boats and until right. about five years ago that there was a little bay off so, so it was calm in the bay but if you went to the edge you, you had to be careful diving not to get not to get swept away and there were two gullies wow, yeah. which you probably know about bass bass love gullies and one of these gullies had a, an overhang so the bass could be in the dark if they wanted. And until, I mean, there's, you know, the seals galore in Pembrokeshire, but, but, you know, they have increased again and are increasing in numbers over recent years. So the, you'd see the odd seal, but about five years ago, uh, a pair of seals moved in and, and this little beach, only really small, became you know, one of the pupping beaches. But until then, I could almost guarantee, um, especially in, in slight water and on the small tides, that the fish would be very, very different from what I've said about this gang on, on the prowl and, and looking like the sort of, uh, you know, the attitude that would smash into Looking you, for you trouble, know, yeah. Looking <laughs> for trouble, yeah, like, like the boys are back yeah. in town sort of thing. The, the, yeah. this, this other behaviour I saw, which was just as interesting, uh, was them all chilled. And if, if I, I learned to creep to the end of this gully. There's a lovely, clean, sandy bed with, with lumps of rock and kelp. And they'd be chilled. They'd, they'd be uh, sometimes. Well, not. I'm absolutely sure that if, if they don't sleep so much as closing their eyes, you know, because they they're, they're with a shawl and they probably get warned um, in some way. If anything comes, they'd, they'd be on the bottom on on the sand. Uh, I didn't do as much uh, video then, which is a real shame uh, because the stuff that I watched I did did a little bit of video. Video, um, a fish just just hanging out, just just chilling around. And also what's interesting, and again, probably a lot of anglers, you really experienced and you fished a lot from a boat with the sound. You probably know this anyway, but they're not, you can, you know, a lot of people think find the bass and, and you'll catch them. I took a couple of friends to fish this gully because you could approach from one side without disturbing where the bulk of the fish were. And you could co- yeah. cover you could cover them with every every non lure. And I you know, took a, a one guy in particular who was 
working as a bass guide then, you know, one of the best anglers I know. And for an hour or so, he fished this gully and he didn't touch a fish. You know, the day before, I'd, I'd seen 100 down there. So I said, yeah. I, I, I was in the wetsuit waiting if he hooked one. You know, I've got a lot of photographs in that way. Over the years, a friend hooks a fish and I jump in with the camera. So, um, oh, brilliant. Just, yeah. Just before we went, uh, I said, just before we go, I'll, I'll have a look. So if you bear in mind, he, he, you know, I've shown him exactly where the fish are. As soon as I start swimming around the corner, these bass start streaming past me, one after the other, and some big ones too, and small ones, right, right to sort of a pound. So if you, if you bear in mind, he's he's literally been putting the lure uh, on the nose for an hour and, and you know, ringing the changes, um, trying the different lures, and not a fish because it's crystal clear. Right? I tend to pick my days and go when the when the swell's been in the right direction it's not been raining so we could see into the water and apart from a couple of uh balloons and a little pollock n- nothing had moved on the lure and all these fish came that's an interesting it, it, they, they must have just sat there and watched and and who who knows i've had a laugh <laughs> yeah i always i always feel that i always you know you know come come to that conclusion that a lot of the time when we're when we're and that just proves that theory you're like when we are fishing um you know you go down to a spot you're you're there for whatever an hour two hours casting changing lures and we just assume oh there's nothing there there's no fish there but in reality there's a quite a strong possibility that there is fish there and maybe a lot of fish there they're just not switched on they're just not in the in the in the zone and that proves that absolutely because you you, well what's interesting as well before i mentioned the drop shot in um which was developed for a situation like that my friend uh, almost immediately then caught one he cast out you know towards the end of the bay where all the fish were headed and immediately got right. a hit, got a hit. It was only uh, only a small one of the schoolies. I mean, typically out of a, you know, there was fish to six pound probably down there, and he and he got a pounder. But um, yeah, as soon as we disturbed them, because they they used to um, throw a dog, didn't they, into the salmon pools? It was called dog in the pool to to win. Right. Yeah, to, to that was a Scottish um, tradition. If, if the pool was all a bit quiet and the fish had been in there a while. And I think that that was, uh, you know, an, an equivalent really of, of sort of wildlife artist in the the pool and get, getting me to, yeah, to, yeah, to you were, yeah, yeah. I suppose it kind of just it just broke them out of whatever they were in and maybe you know kind of riled them up a bit and maybe get them to strike maybe just out of kind of anger and frustration and just after being kind of you know roused, I suppose. Uh, absolutely, because you you probably well no doubt know the technique drop drop shot in. Which I haven't actually tried for for bass. I've, I've used it for chorus fish, but the Americans yeah. who, who were streets ahead of us, or at least were. I mean, I think we're catching up on the lures. The um, drop shot method was, was developed for fish like that because they're fishing often, you know, the huge multi-million tournaments for the for the largemouth and smallmouth bass. And if they could see fish on the sounder. Uh, in grouped up, especially that weren't hitting, that's where the drop shot came in, where you'd, you you know you'd lower it down and keep the lure in in the zone, and eventually, apparently, they they can't resist. You know, one will usually make a mistake. So if, if ever strike out, yeah, yeah, yeah. If ever I did see that for, from the river, I mean, to be honest, for the most part, when we saw fish on the sounder on the rib, and you dropped down a lure, <laughs> it got smashed. That's what happened most of the time. 
Yeah, that's that's really interesting. Yeah, and I know I remember reading one of your posts. I think that you know again about the bass behavior, and we're always uh, you know as anglers, you know you're creeping around. Be careful not to splash the water. Don't wade out too far. Don't do this. Don't have your light on. But I noticed one of your posts. I think the bass were literally coming up, coming up to you, up to the camera lens. You know, very inquisitive, as you said. I think you you see that in some of your posts there that the bass will come up to you and see what's going on. The the the, the there's nothing there's, there's well, there's one other species, which is the perch, which is, is a cousin, you know, biologically of, of the bass, the U- European perch. The, the only fish I know that matches it for curiosity um, is, is the perch. I was, I was on the uh, a dive last Thursday, basically to test uh, some friends' kits out. So we'd not gone with, with much of an expectation of fish. It was more sighted in the kit out. And, and there were a lot of fish on the reef, some red mullet, uh, a lot of pollock, you know, a lot of um, cork wing wrasse, ballon wrasse. So I was filming, only taking my, my GoPro, not my uh, big camera. The, the video's done, you know, it's very recent. It's on my, my post somewhere. So I'm filming these pollock, and in the background, I could see what's very common behavior, and I could see they were only skewless, but they're, they're hitting the sand to, to get the sand eels. Because obviously the, yes. the sand eels will bury themselves, so I could see the flash of, of the. Uh, so they're actually digging into the sand yeah, themselves, yeah, were they, they? They they go on the they go on the side. That's a behaviour I've seen an awful lot of. They they turn you know right onto the side, to turn at ninety degrees, and um, and hit the sand hard. And I think obviously if they get lucky, wow, they'll, that's really interesting. They'll flush a sand eel. Um, but I, I, I would have almost put money on it. I, I could see them, you know, then just only just because the visibility wasn't great with the conditions we've had recently. But um, I would almost bet exactly what happened, which was one of the bass. And, you know, the, these are fish not even a pound, so they've got a lot to learn. But one of them came yeah. right, right towards the camera um, and, and swam, you know, to have a really good look at, at, at what was going on. And if... As long as you're not chasing the fish, I've I've rarely seen any any sort of size, you know, any group of bass of any size that haven't done that. Um, you know, if you're swimming hard in their direction, then then they'll disappear. But if you wait, and especially if if you what I do all the time there is is hide. There's well, dive Werther's kelp, which they love anyway. Camouflage suits yeah. on. Tick, you know, tuck yourself into the kelp. Put your head down, and you can go. I can't help laughing sometimes. Can't guarantee it. So you'll, I've scared them off before now by laughing in, into my snorkel because yeah. <laughs> um, they'll, they'll, they'll come. Um, and and also, you know, it, it doesn't work quite so well with with two people. There's twice the disturbance. Uh, you got to keep really yeah. still. I mean, you got to keep absolutely still. But I'm fairly certain that what what they're doing sometimes. Um, is checking me out, literally coming in and, and sort of basically touching the the, the, the wetsuit, you know, sniff, sniffing, check, checking me out. Really? Um, yeah. I, wow. Coming that close, yeah. Um, but I can't look down. Just just the movement of me looking down, because uh, that that's another interesting for me. If you use your peripheral vision, keep keep your head down. You'll get bass, you know, coming easily a foot away, close enough to touch. Move your eyes. You don't even need to move your head. Move your eyes, and it's like you've. Uh, I'll send you a clip where it illustrates this. Move your eyes, not not even your whole head, and it's like you've thrown a hand grenade. 
So they're, they're if you think a lot of these bass that, that were seen last year, they, they were big shoals of four pound plus fish. You think of the age that those fish are. I mean, what, what are they? T- 10 years old and probably getting on if they're yeah, yeah. four pound. And from the time that they've emerged from the egg, everything is trying to eat them. And everything that's been trying to eat them has got eyes. And if they if they see any eyes looking at them, it, it's dangerous. Yeah, that's a great, so, great point. Yeah. So, so the, yeah. The, the eyes have it, and, I, and I've learned that quite clearly. And I've got a friend who, who, again, one of the good friends I mentioned who's a keen hunter, and he gave me a tip which really works. Uh, cl- close one eye. Because if you think of a seal that's, that's closing in on the bass, you, you're seeing both its eyes. Whereas if you're seeing one eye... It's it's what you'd see with something side on, so there's not as, by, yeah, there's not as yeah. much danger. So I'm sat in the kelp now with uh, with one eye shut. That's that's brilliant. That's really fascinating, isn't it? it? Like help. I suppose there's as you said, it's the prey. You know, the predator he's looking at the prey. If you're prey and there's something looking straight at you, you're in a bad situation. Yeah, it's, so it's, you know, you want to get out of there. Absolutely, it's going to soon be game over. Yeah, and tell me, do you are you obviously diving in a lot of the a lot of the same locations? Do you find um, do you find you, see, you you know the bass are territorial? Do you see this kind of bass in the same places year after year, or does it change? Or you know, I, I definitely they they love places. The 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 little bay until the seals moved in. I mean, we still we still catch bass there. I took a friend for the first time. Uh, to, to to you know in, in the rib first time he'd been out with me anywhere and we're having a poor day and i used to save this this bear um you know this was about two years ago so you know i knew the seals had, had stopped them settling in this gully but um on on his first cast uh, he hooked uh, hooked a good bass um but but a seal uh, <laughs> a seal took it took its body he just really came, yeah. He just, yeah again i could send you a cracking picture that he, he's just handy lunch for the seal uh, thanks uh, for that absolutely yeah good, good size yeah. fish so they, they're still they're still loving that spot even though there's, there's seals nestled in there and then my, my hot spot which is thankfully it's one of the closest bits of, of the coast to me here and it's near some serious um, tidal currents. So, and, and it's it's a couple of things come together. It's quite far from where your average guy, you you, you weekend warrior that we call them here, the guys that go out in the little yeah. boats. You, it's quite a way for the weekend warriors to get. You, you can't fish it from the shore unless you're going to abseil down. And there's just right, two, yeah. There's, there's two two pinnacles of rock. Um, and there's always, always fish. I haven't found the big shoals yet this year, but the, the conditions have been poor, to be honest. So, so I haven't been a lot. But last last year, from May through to September, um, I got in the habit of swimming a sort of half a kilometre around to, to this spot. And every time I went, I don't I don't know, the perhaps fishermen are renowned for being pessimistic, thinking, well, they're probably gone by now. And every time I dropped down onto the reef, uh, along along they would come, and you know I'm fairly certain some people said, "Oh, there'd be different fish." You know, I don't think so. I think I think with with what they had on offer, there, which was great shoals of bait fish, uh, the big tidal rip off the headland, which is you know the the, yeah. the, the bass love energy, don't they? So they um, do, yeah. I'm, I'm, and I'm I'm fairly certain that if if the weather ever settles down, it, I mean it's direction thing here because we've got every coast available really in Pembroke. we've got north 
well, north, south, and, and west. It just happens to have been a lot of southerlies. So if, if we get more westerlies or, or you know, we sometimes get northerlies in, in the summer when the high pressure settles, then, then I'm sure that, um, that that area would, is my guess, will have held fish forever. And then if you could talk to a fisherman 100 years ago, that would have still been past there because they've got everything they there. need. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and you know, is it, is it you? As again, you see it in the water. Is it you know what what we know that fish, as you mentioned, they like rock pinnacles, they like gullies, they like lots of cover and um, fast flowing water. Any of those kind of you know situations or features, I tell guys if they're going out to you know to utilize a bit of watercraft and find these features, and more often than not, the bass will be there. Uh, absolutely we we perhaps because we we hunted it out obviously but um almost without exception the the, the days for, from the rib when we lost count of how many bass we caught we, we're always over structure um you know i'm not saying we didn't catch fish over boring flat flat bits of sand but in terms of where the bass were loving it and staying around to hunt you know and you could keep you know, well, you wouldn't keep them there. They'd stay there for an afternoon while while you filled your boots. It was always uh, structure. And for, for me, if you said, what what do they really like? It is, uh, you know, rocks, kelp, sand, and floor. If, you, if you've got those those four things, then, then there'll be bass um, somewhere, almost certainly. Yeah. And did you ever get, did you ever do much diving, say, in the winter months, David, or is the water too cold or yeah, any not, evidence of bass staying locally during the winter? It's not not so much the the cold, although I am getting soft in my, in my old age. I'm it's dead. probably the weather conditions as well, I suppose, isn't it? it? It's the clarity, yeah. We, we, we get the big uh, westerly, southwesterlies come in. Obviously, this is Wales. Yeah. Uh, you get a lot of rain, so that, that any little streams. Um, well, I'm quite friendly with, with a couple of the charter boat boys, you know, make the living taking anglers out. And, you know, obviously, um, talking to them, you, you know, go out with a couple of them, go out to photograph the sharks. They, they take the boats offshore to do the shark photography. And they've said, don't, you know, when I had the rip, um, don't, don't stop in, you know, which I was doing in October. Um, one of them described a fantastic day's fishing on, on New Year's Eve, where, where um, again, they, they, they basically left the reef when, um, you know, not because it stopped catching bass, because because it all had enough and it and it was getting dark. Uh, so. They're all too tired hauling. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's the same here. Really, I fished all year round for for a couple of years here, just just to try it out and the lures, you know. And I've got bass in every month all year round. But I mean, of course, you know, maybe you know December and and January, February, you might get maybe one or two, you know, that kind of way. Yeah. Um, yeah. But but there is there is proof that they, they do stay. Some some of them do anyway. They do stay around all all winter long, which is um which is interesting. Well, that brings me on to something else that what little we know about about these fish, and and, oh, and, yeah, and again exactly. as 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 a species, I I love I, I'm someone who loves human beings. I think we're wonderful. But I also think we're massively ignorant. And obviously, given the state of the planet, we could have handled things a lot better, shall we say. Um, you know, so, yeah. so with a lot of things like, like bass, and, and where do you want to start? There's a long list. All, all we've seen them as is, is a commodity, so something to eat, and, and how do they taste, and how many you can catch, and when you catch them. 
there's a whole other story, and, and this is this is why, as I've said, because of the time I've spent with them, and also you know, within a shawl, you, you will see individuals. You you you'll see uh, the fish that hangs at the back, and and you know you only move move half, half. You know you flutter an eyelid, and and that one's away, and then you've got the other one, you know, that the, that's bolder. Um, so so you, you you're seeing straight away which any aquarist will tell you. I, I had. A couple of years ago, I had three three perch um, in a tank for quite some time at home. Got some amazing reference. And what one of the perch was really really awake. I mean, on, honestly, like like seemed twice as as awake and intelligent as, as the others. Um, you know, one one of them was the opposite end. You know, re- really really stupid. Um, and then the, mid- yeah. <laughs> the the middle one wasn't wasn't so much wick, but he was bold. He he was the one where if he saw anything going on, he'd he'd, he'd come in and you know I used to mess about with with seeing whether it's first see a worm or what they could smell. So you've got a, a daft one, a, a clever one, and, and a bold one. So so I, you know they're not they're not all the same. Um, so these questions you're very saying, much like. Much like us humans, I've, I've, a good I've, mixture. Absolutely, and and I because I've started to to see things in a different way. Um, if you see, let's just say I saw a, a hundred um, bass in that big show last year, and and if you were if you were guessing that they were ten years old, that's a thousand years of experience. And to me, thinking of it in those terms and using your imagination of these creatures that have survived in that environment, and the fact, you know, and this is to me trying to get people to think. You, you got you, you commercial fisherman, and obviously makes his living. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not an idiot. It's what he does. But he comes around, and it, and if he gets those bass in the right mood, especially in the rip, and virtually takes all hundred. He's wiped out a thousand years of experience and, and stories, um, you know, that those fish would have. Obviously, they're not <laughs> not going to tell us anytime soon. But just just yeah, think, yeah, uh, no, absolutely. And one one foul swoop. I've often heard down here, like I fished, on, I've worked on charter boats, and I've worked in the commercial industry as well. I've worked on trawlers and stuff, and you hear stories of you know sh- shots of nets and you know eighty. 100 boxes of bass in one shot you know this kind of thing like and it's uh you cringe to hear it back in the day like but it's just reality that's what's going on that's what's happened in the past and in one fell swoop you can you know pull an awful lot of bass out of the ocean I, I, absolutely and I, you know for, for me now thinking of what what legacy we, we want to leave I, I think i think we do need a different way and not quite. I don't understand why the, um, especially in in the UK, the commercial fishing lobby, which, which isn't massive as an industry, not not anymore. You know, and if you look no, at a lot no, of coastal, yeah. but the political clout it has is enormous. It's way, way out of proportion to a lot of other things, and you know. I don't know whether anybody's got the time or anyone's looking into it from from the Bass Society, but if if in Pembrokeshire or, or any area of Wales they did what what you guys have done, and they had a moratorium on the commercial fishing for bass and started to push it, you know, which I know it's it's huge in in Ireland, and there might be someone who can give you some idea on the figures in terms of you know. If you've got a long-term sustainable, uh, you know, angling um, res- resource in the way of bass that can be caught again and again and again, once once your bass is, is in the fish box, um, that's it, isn't it? It's got it's got no no return value. Um, yeah, and in particular, as you say, 
with kind of, you know, local areas, territorial areas, even with anglers, like, um, you know, we're, we're talking about how, you know, well, well, we feel that definitely bass are far more intelligent than what we give them credit for. And it's only when I suppose I started kind of, you know, wanting, wanting to catch more or find more places where the bass are, you, you begin to try and think about it a bit more. But I definitely have seen, and I've mentioned it before, that, you know, the bass, they become, they get wise to what's going on. Like, if I go down and hammer a spot from the beach night after night, they'll get wise. They start to move, they move on from that spot, and it did, they don't come back for a while. Um, I've also heard stories of bass on lures, and a second bass will come up beside it and try to help it as if it's trying to get it off, you know, not you know, going alongside it, pushing it, trying to get it off the hook, which is... Um, Amazing. Which is amazing, it, like it, so. It, 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 um, it, it is amazing. The, 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 there isn't a single animal study, you know, or, or fish as well, over the years. And, you know, as the techniques evolve and as the hours build up with scientists looking at, at all sorts of creatures, there's, there's none of them will tell us that, oh, you know, whatever the animal is or was or whatever the fish is, that, that they're much more stupid than we imagine. They're all telling us the opposite. They're all telling us yeah. that there's far more yeah. going on because it's, you know, for centuries, it, uh, uh, you know, and it is, I, I think it's partly tied in with, with the Christian outlook that, you know, the man man has dominion over everything. And boy, have we exercised that, that dominion, you know, in, in terms of um, just taking whatever we want, whatever can be made a profit from. And, you know, I've, I've read a lot over the years about the only other thing I wanted to do um, other than be an artist was, was to be an anthropologist. I read a lot about, uh, you know, when I was a, a young man about um, different tribes, especially the, the Amazonian tribes who've, who've lived in, in harmony. I know they kill things, but, but they live sustainably and they live the way of, of keeping their environment, um, you know, a sensitive level of impact. And, we we've just gone one way, and the fact that the, the the massive you know proportion of humankind has done that does doesn't mean that it's right. And and to me, given um, how how terrible you know, in, in I think it's in, I don't know if it's Europe or the UK, but but a seventy percent decline in wildlife in in my lifetime. And obviously, any any speak to any of the old boys around here and ask them about the cod fifty years ago or the bass fifty yeah, years ago. Yeah, yeah, um, so, yeah. So no it's comparison only, it's only nowadays. One 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 way, and and that to me, you know, well, like I say, I'd, I'd love anglers to, to think more um, about conservation for 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 their own sakes. Because when you know what I'd like to see is the complete no take zones. I might be going to Lundy on on Friday, and that's one of the few around the. British mainland, where it's actually being instigated, where you can't drop a pot, you can't throw, cast a lure, you, you certainly can't troll. You, oh, you, yeah. You can't, yeah. You can't do Interesting any, idea. Any, yeah. You can't do anything. And very quickly, even within five years, if you have a no-take zone, then the, 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 the ocean starts to respond. And, you know, there's a wonderful book I'd recommend to anybody who is interested. Um, and it'll blow your mind. It's called The Un- Unnatural History of Our Seas. And it's by right, it's yeah. Professor Callum Roberts. And he paints a picture. Uh, it's the sort of book, you know, I do a lot of bedside reading. And I'd, be, I'd be sort of saying, tapping tap my wife on the shoulder, saying, listen to this. In terms of how how rich the oceans were, honestly, beyond anything you can imagine, the 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 seas beyond the the UK, 
um, well, in Europe, you know, um, we're incredibly rich. You know, if you think about the shoals of herring, which sustained populations of, of tens, if not hundreds of thousands for, for decades. Yeah, for many, uh, many years, uh, yeah. Absolutely. And they'd have all the, all the super predators. One, you know, one of the facts that sticks with me from that book, which I've not read for years, the North Sea, the, the dirty sort of, um, you know, chocolate brown, no, I see. Used to be crystal clear. It's only, it's only the colour it is because we took out all the cold water corals and all the oysters. It used to be clear. Unbelievable, so that, isn't it? They used to filter it. Yeah, that's the level of impact that that we've had. So what I, I still meet guys now who say, "Oh, there's loads of bass." Now, if you see a shoal of a thousand bass, that that's great. But what Callum Roberts is telling you. You know, which is what you see on some of the best dive sites around the world. There wouldn't have been a thousand bass; there'd have been ten thousand bass or fifty thousand bass. So it's called. Yeah, it's amazing. We 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 have a place here. I you probably heard of it, Splock Rock. Um, it was a, a famous traditional breeding ground for bass here, just off the southeast coast, off off Rosslare, Carnesaw Point. You know that area. And I'm reading books like forty, fifty years old, and. To talk about the place just being just alive with bass, you know, um, thousands and thousands and thousands of bass, and uh, you know, it was known all over Europe, really. But but nowadays, it's only a shadow of itself, really. It it, it is, and and I, I'd love more more people to think, you know, especially um, which is it's an emotive way of couching it, and I've said it already, but it is to think about your children, and and even more importantly, your grandchildren, and you know what 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 we could leave for them because the, the, I think the way to sell conservation isn't with doom and gloom because everybody's depressed enough <laughs> already. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it's, it's to sell them a, a picture of how it could be because what, what happens when you do the no-take zones? So if, 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 let's just say you, you did a sort of um, a 20-mile stretch of, of Pembrokeshire uh, out to a, a six-mile limit in, in a semicircle within a decade all the fishing boats you, you can you know you can plot this where they've done it that they'll all be um perched around the, the the limit that you've created and the bit you've conserved because you get an overspill Na- nature is wonderful at uh at it'll re- creep out of those, those areas and into uh, into the, the, the fish zones of, yeah yeah because if you think of a fish i you know, a lot of species like the cod, especially, really, you know, really fecund, laid millions of eggs. So you don't need a lot of, of a stock if if they're left alone. Obviously, that's the critical bit for them to start building up again, as as has happened with the tuna. And the fact that they'll probably, yeah, they'll yeah. probably end up in, in uh, make, making a small number of men very wealthy and they'll end up in, uh, in Japanese markets, it breaks my heart. Why, why can't we have tuna as a wildlife spectacle and leave the bloody things in peace um yeah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah i know as you know i'm you're you're obviously familiar with kilmore key here i see you've done some trips to the salty islands there and some of your recent um gannet paintings are fantastic there i was looking at them there yesterday um uh, you obviously like it out there yeah oh it's it's, it's wonderful it, it's one of the of all the places i've been over the years for, for wildlife it, it, it's right up there um just just a ma- magical magical place magical. fantastic place yeah and we uh, we have you know as you mentioned the tuna we have bluefin tuna now being caught off kilmore key within i think there was one i heard was within you know 10 kilometers of the shore and you know some 
trawlers and whatnot spotting like massive shoals of bluefin so uh in one way it's fantastic to see it but um uh hopefully you know hopefully they stay there and you know we don't open a big commercial fishery and uh and catch all them too well i can't i can't see it going any other way but but it would be great to think that the fish could be left alone, and and you know that long long term um, would develop a bit of bit of wisdom, a bit like the Amazonian tribes, where you you're not thinking about about short term gain and and what you can get today. You, you're thinking about tomorrow and and, and the long term um, perspective on things. But uh, yeah, again, you know, yeah. again, it's been naive in one respect because we, we've 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 got to eat, and in in, in rural areas, pe- people struggle to, to make a living. Um, and obviously, if you've got a guy who could literally become a millionaire from from catching tuna, well, he's 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 going to come out fighting, isn't he? <laughs> Sure, he, he surely he, are. He, yeah, he's yeah. Got, he's going yeah. to fight for that. He's going to fight a lot more for yeah. that than people like me who, who think they should be left alone. So. Um, yeah, yeah yeah tell me david i want to i want to kind of get back to your art actually because i you know i'm i'm fascinated with your artwork and i have five or six probably prints around the house here and i've jumpers t-shirts coasters you name it cups with your artwork on so i'm a big fan um but how how did you how did you get into the art were you, are you self-taught did you go to college or when did you start when did you start with the art i, I loved it very much um alongside the angling kind of loved it as a, as a young boy um you know often sat at the um at the table at home uh, scribbling away co- copying mostly animals but also you know cars and helicopters and planes from from books with within the house um and then i think it, more because you 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 practice it than you're particularly gifted in any way you just spend more time, you know, spend more time than my siblings and anyone at school. So then, then you get people, you know, at school, the teacher asks ask you to draw something on the board or, or if you're doing a big project or, or David will draw that. So then you get um, you get an idea that you're good at this because everyone's telling you. Um, and, and like a lot of things, practice makes perfect, but, but you, you – you, you find a bit like with the angling, a sense of escape and a, and a sense of absorption. Um, so it just develops then where, you know, you, you, you then take it as an option at school and, and you do well then. Um, and then when I started work, which, you know, from the sort of family I'm from, and I, my, my parents were very much like, you know, I was asking for stuff for, for um going fishing asking for a, a pint of maggots or some new floats or, or an umbrella they were really like you, you know you could buy it yourself so, so as, as soon as i was 14 which was the age you could start my mom got me a job um at the local uh, news agents as a paper boy and and then um when i was 16 the local supermarket opened one of the first of the bigger supermarkets going, going by some years and she said right i've got you a form you, you can you can go and work at the press stores i think it was called and i hated work right, right even the paper round so so right i don't mean yeah. I, I hate hard work I, I spent weekends on my grandparents farm and my family are the grafters but that sense of a job 
where the, the, the clock seems to be stuck in concrete. And if, if, you, if you're there sort of, um, you know, from eight till five, you, you can't believe that, that it's only half past nine because it feels like you've been there seven hours already. So, yeah. so, <laughs> yeah. so, so very quickly, even at uh, 16, I was thinking, Jesus, you know, from a working class family, you've not got many options. You, And there was still a lot of uh, the, the, the big, Cotton mills, not not so much cotton. When I was young, they moved on to diversify a lot of engineering, which my dad and brother were in in the town. The the, the mills terrified me. So a combination really of, of having this this dread of uh, doing work that, that you really didn't want to do, and and then everybody making a fuss of, of your paintings. And and you know, at sixteen, I, I sold a painting to. Um, Miss, Mrs. or Miss Dean, I think Mrs. Dean, the biology teacher, but bought a painting off me. Uh, I think it was a tenner, uh, and this is going back for 40 odd years, so, so 10, 10 quid. And I'd just done, <laughs> done I'd say that was a great incentive to like, you know, I, m- I must get better at this, uh, I can make money out of this, absolutely. Yeah, and then, and then one of my first, um, you know, first, I mean, serious guy, I'm talking when I'm 16, but one of my first girlfriends. You know, that you had for any length of time, her, her, her dad bought, bought a painting. You could see quickly that, that people liked what you did. And, and also, you know, like touched upon, I'm anxious and um, pr- prone then, even though you don't understand the youngster, prone to difficulties with mental health. Um, yeah, you, yeah. Getting something out of that kudos. And, and I think a lot of artists... Uh, you know, are, are sort of more insecure than your average guy. Um, so, so then the fact that that you know you you you're getting smoke blown up your ass, it 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 then really helps you. So, so um, you know that's a dangerous road to go on because you, you you soon get um, you soon get criticism as well. But but a combination of really really not wanting to to go in a factory. And of people want wanting my work even as a as a teenager, and and absolutely loving art in the way that you know I, I love the natural world, especially fish. Um, just st- still to me, um, what artists do, if you think about you know a, a piece of canvas or, or board, um, and with a few pigments grown in oil. And uh, you know some bristles stuck in in the end of a stick. The fact that you can make a picture that that moves people, that that communicates with people, that that tells people what you know to some extent anyway, what what you feel. There's more, yeah, yeah. But of course, there has to be a level of there has to be there does have does have to be a level of talent uh, as well with that and. As you said, you kind of learnt. You, know, you I suppose you kind of learnt at a, at a young young enough age that you were okay. I was quite good at this. Um, so, um, did you did you go to college then, or what did you do? Did you just keep working at it yourself? Yeah, no, I went to. It's a reason I fell in love with Wales. I, I, I was lucky enough to get on a course. Didn't have many places in Carmarthen, which is uh, just twenty five miles east of us now, and it's it's gone now the course. But it was especially wildlife illustration course because that was initially what, what I fancied doing because I, I loved books and even by my late teens I had quite a, a library of, of angling books um, so this course w- w- wonderful course a couple of great lecturers and they, they taught you the, the nuts and bolts of, uh, of wildlife illustration you know and how, how to answer a brief um, and you know set us up with one or two contacts uh, you know with, with the London publishers um, but it, but even even that, 
the 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 uh, the, the love of art is, is one thing, but but then having a brief uh, from somebody else, it, it it you know it sort of turned it in in into work. <laughs> so I quickly, yeah, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I quickly wanted to to do my own thing. Quick, quickly wanted to uh, to 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 paint. Um, but I, you know, I get a lot of commissions now, and I do love them. I, you know, like I've got. Uh, well, I'm just finishing, which is a 40th birthday present for somebody, and it, it is, you know, it's an honour to you know, for someone to, you know, it's an important occasion, and some somebody's spending a lot of money on it. So, uh, I really do value um, getting commissions, and and also when when you're a young man, like most of us, I've had in all sorts of ways more than my share of idiocy. Um, let's let's not get into the drinking, but um, you, you've got. You're in a you're a small what's the expression? You're a large fish in a small pond. You know you're you're in a little school and, and you're the best drawer. And even when you go to secondary school, you know you, you, what I'm trying to say the amount of talent out there is is enormous. And and the number of other artists yeah, yeah. Who, who who are better than you, it's as simple as that. Mm. And, and it's, also, fun, it's funny. Um, a typical typical artist, you know. Um, Oh, my, like my mother's an artist as well you know she's she does watercolors and like excellent like and she's so critical of herself you know i find the artists are just you know they're their they're own worst critic like yeah I, I, absolutely but but i'm saying the opposite of that to some extent when when you're younger is is that you, you start to believe what everyone's telling you and, and almost you know i've got a lot of artist friends and we we talk a lot um and you, you think you're much better than you are, and 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 you only start to get better when you do have some genuine humility. Um, you know, I, I get I get asked a lot of questions just because I reach so many people on Facebook. And if, you know, one thing I say is go and look. You know, especially if you're near a big city, go go and look at look at a Caravaggio, look at a Rembrandt, look look at a Velasquez, um, and and you know. You, you got to value yourself, and then this whole thing was high self-esteem, but um, not of any any delusions, because it's only by being honest about about where you are that that you can improve. So, so that that's, yeah. that's a skill. If if you think, oh well, I'm rubbish, I'm no good, and, and that that's sort of ugly. But also, if you think you, you, you you're the bee's knees. Um, and you're fantastic. That that's ugly. And and there is a, there is a middle way, which is I'm I'm all right. Mm. And and if I work hard, um, I could get better. Um, and I suppose finding a niche, you seem to have found a niche for yourself with the you know with the the kind of nature, the wildlife, the fish in particular, and the birds with the underwater kind of uh, views, which are very unique and something quite different. You don't see a lot of. You're able to capture that kind of. Um, view as it is from underwater which um you know it's which is real a real niche kind of um a real niche kind of view yeah i probably wouldn't have made a living comic and one thing i've never been called and probably never will by anybody is, is shrewd but just because i loved fish so much and and still i've got a sense of a, of a mission with regards to what I've seen as, as as an angler, and then what I've seen as a diver, and, and you know the mackerel, I'm, I can't help it. I'm painting now as as we talk, and I've done 
a lot of mackerel recently. So, so a combination of just lo- loving the fish and feeling that I, I haven't seen, you know, the sort of work I've done with the mackerel, which is to go out and, and again from from the rib catch hundreds of them and photograph them, and paint them in a way um, where, where they look, you know, like they look like they're alive <laughs> rather than. Uh, on a plate, which you, which you most often see. So, so yeah, I've been really lucky, Carl. I, re- I really have. I've been lucky that that, that my, my love of um, of fish meant meant that I did find that niche because there's so many really talented artists do, doing you know your your foxes, your badgers, your otters, your your birds, especially the the bird side of it. Um, it's a very, very diff- difficult um, field to make a living in, or to make a good living. You know, you know. When I, I, I get, I get, you know, occasionally asked by people, "You, you must make a fortune because you know I do sell pictures for, for a few thousand of the bigger ones, and get a lot of um, you know contact on on Facebook." But it's still, it's still a very average living. It, it, it really is. But I'm not, I'm not complaining because. Uh, my, my feeling, mostly not always with work, is is uh, oh god, you know, I've I've, I've got to stop now. I'm, it's my turn to cook today. If I've been going doing a curry, and and quite often it, it's 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 a disappointment when you have to put the brushes down, um, and it, and equally I'm supposed to have weekends off because everyone in the family has convinced me that's the way to sanity. Um, but often yeah. I, I can't help but sneak in and, and do a little bit. And, uh, yeah, so I'm not complaining at all I, when, I, when I say it's not a great living. It's a very ordinary one, but, but it's a fantastic way. And, you know, I do feel lucky to, to be able to make a living. Yeah, and you seem to have struck a chord with the bass, the bass prints as well. I see they're very popular. Um, you know, they, they mean a lot to people, even when I see them first as well. It's just, you know, some of those... I think there's one with the with with a herring, and there's one the pinnacle, the bass on the pinnacle. Like it's just just fantastic. I think they're they're good sellers for you, and for a reason. Um, they really caught my eye and really jumped out at me anyway. Um, well, that that means a lot. Knowing knowing you know what you like with the bass and how you lived lived and breathed it. Um, I, I, you know the the motivation has been to try and make sense of that excitement. You know, my my I sold it last year because it was I had my money's worth from it. My little rib was a. I think it was 4.2 meters zodiac with with a 20 horsepower, and I, yeah. I, I pushed it really going where I did in it. But you know, I had the, had the engine serviced, uh, always had a uh, radio clipped to my life jacket, insisted. You know, so I wasn't I wasn't being cavalier. But um, when you're in those, you know, you you've probably done drift, well, no doubt done drift fishing. So you you're drifting over the pinnacles. So so you you go to the top of the drift and you're flying down, um, and you know. You cut, you've cut the engine while you drifted, so you've got bass after bass on a good day hitting hitting the lures, and then the, you know the savagery of, of playing them in that sort of current, and then and then the, they, they've got an attitude when you get out of the boat, they, they are like fuck you, you know, they're trying to spite you, they, they look at you like if they could, they, yeah, they, they, yeah, trying to slice you with the gills, yeah, yeah. trying to get the treble hook stuck in you. It's nearly they, it's nearly like they know yeah. I'm going to get a treble stuck in this lad's hand now or leg, you know. They'll throw the lure at you, they'll do all sorts of I, stuff. I, I, absolutely, they're, they're fighting and they're fighting for, for the life. And I'm, I'm just trying, I'm trying to, to do justice to, to coming home. Uh, after a day like that, you know, you 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 come home. If you've kept a boat, you know what that's like. Back to the boatyard, wash it down, clean everything, 
and then you've got the yeah, underwater yeah. camera kit. You're doing all that, and then and then the photography. You, you basically had to been up at six, then you go into bed at eleven, where you only just stop sorting everything out, and you collapse into bed. But you you you, you dreams then. Your mind is spinning. Yeah, spinning with with pictures on the on the fish finder. Some of the best things I've seen haven't been in you know, whilst diving because you could you couldn't dive the best places. It's far far too dangerous. But you've seen uh, the prey fish often stacked up at the top of the pen and then you'll see the bigger lumps of the pollock and bass below. And I think they use the pinnacles for ambush. So, so you go into bed with all this churning and um, you know memories of the fish and memories of being out with a, with a good friend. You were wonderful, wonderful days. So then it, it really you know, metaphorically kicks you up the arse as, as, as an artist. You you really think, God, I've, I've got a you know the, the the stuff that's come from from these last few years. Every, everyone said very kindly you know that it is my best work and i think i think that's because of the level of feeling attached to it all and how strongly you feel about it so so the fact that some guys i know who live and breathe it on another level again from me um quite a few rod and line commercial guys have bought bought my prints um you know it, brilliant it, yeah it, 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 it does you you're doing you're doing something right um you know, but but that's that's come from the the passion again, rather than any any sort of shrewdness on on on. Yeah, my, on yeah, my but it, it's it it comes it's organic though. It's all it's all comes out organically. Like your passion, you know, you can see it in your artwork, and then I I benefit from that as well because I wake up in the morning and have a nice picture of a bass in front of me and on the wall, and it's you know it's it's a it's a circle. It's great, like. It, it it's brilliant. It, it it is, and you know, I'm I'm. It gets I'm, my mind thinking. Then you know, of, of angling, or where am I going to go today, or what am I going to do tonight? You know, and you know, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's fascinating. It's brilliant. It it, it is. I'm 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 lucky. Um, very lucky to to be able one, to. One one question I wanted to ask you, I suppose, just an art question is you kind of mention it every now and again as well with mental blocks. How do you deal with your mental blocks? Is all artists um, struggle with those? But uh, have you any specific kind of techniques you use? The best one, without a doubt, the best one. I'm I'm close now to just having had enough because I've had a very creative few, few months. I've not had much time off, and I'm I'm still really see like you're really keen to do the work, but but the brain says no. My my, my brain at the moment, um, you know, with with all of what what we do, whatever it is, if if you're exercising a craft or a skill. Um, uh, you know, a big part of it is being really focused and, and in the moment because you know whatever it is, if you're if you're you know a carpenter, a, a plasterer, we can all do what what we do, but if you can't concentrate, you know what I mean. That that's the issue, and so my concentration is is going. I'm probably getting I'm getting fifty percent of, of what I could do on top form, even trying all day. So so I'll leave it alone. We we. I'm waiting for the weather to change. I'm pushing through this this rain because um, yeah, the the, yeah. the only thing that I've found with that with that block is to leave it. You you, you can walk out of the studio f- feeling crestfallen and thinking that you've fallen out of love and, and you don't know how you you'll, you'll ever paint again. And, and it's like platin sawdust trying out trying to do anything. Think things that you can do in your sleep when you're on form. So then you go out, you know, do the diving, uh, go to the salties, you know, uh, go fishing, uh, go and look at some other arts, sit, sit in the garden, do something completely different. Yeah. 
I suppose then, just wait till you're ready to come back to it. That's exactly it. And, and it, I've always said it's like a reservoir, really, the creativity in it. And it fills up to a certain point, And then you've got a store um, of, of energy and creativity and concentration. And, and then it drains away. And what, whatever, whatever you think, once you're running on empty, which I'm really close to now, you, you, you just, you know, you can't do it. Um, and, and I've seen it with friends and we're always good at giving friends advice. It is just walk away. Um, you know, there's no point. What My wife, Lisa, is also an artist. Uh, and like wives can be very honest. She, she'll, she'll say, you're just leaning on the easel. If your canvas is the same at the end of the day as it, as it was at eight in the morning and you've stood there struggling all day, you might as well have sat in the garden. Um, yeah, yeah. Go off and do something else, and as you say, wait for the reservoirs to to fill again, and absolutely. go back at it again. If it takes you a day, a week, or whatever, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, uh, brilliant, Dave. Look, I won't keep it too much longer. I know you're you're busy there, and we chatting chatting for quite a while, and I really enjoyed it. And uh, it's great to have you on. Just get a bit of a different perspective. Um, you know, uh, rather than an angler, so I know you're an angler as well, but um, just 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 to get a different different view, and it, it's fantastic, really. And I know you're on Facebook and Instagram. You also have your your website there. I think it's davidmiller.co.uk. Is that correct? davidmillerart.co.uk. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, um, yeah, the web website. Yes, www.davidmillerart.co.uk. Yeah. And lots of prints and T-shirts and everything else there um, available if, if we need it. Uh, uh, absolutely. And touch wood, <laughs> it's been, uh, again, for the business side of things, uh, it's built up enough now where um, there's uh, what my granddad used to call a regular draw. You need a regular draw that you know in terms of finances. So there's, there's, there's enough trickling in from the prints that even if you're not having a good run on the originals you, you can cover the bills um yeah so. yeah well long may it continue david um bringing joy to many an angler like myself and um maybe we might try and catch up with you again someday and as i said feel free to drop me a line if you're taking a trip over this way to head out to the salty islands oh, um, th- th- thank i'm sure you, we'll, we'll, we'll keep in touch anyway throughout the summer and we might we might chat to you again because there's so much to talk about. I know we didn't talk about the, the bird life, and I know you're you also are fond of the salmon and sea trout evolved out, and you're even your freshwater fish, you know, perch and pike and stuff. But um, hopefully we'll get you on again someday, and we'll cover some more stuff. It's been a pleasure, Cormac, and an apology. I did warn you that the um, difficulty is is shutting me up. So um, my, my, my <laughs> not at all. That's brilliant for a podcast. That's what we need. That's you're like gold. You're my, like gold dust. <laughs> my, my, my excuse is uh, my, my wife is genuinely the strong, silent type. Burley says a word all day. So so he. Even though we share the studio, I've, I've, I've given up really trying to, you know, not engage in conversation. It's just me talking, so I don't, I don't get much of a chance to. <laughs> to find That's to brilliant fire because, away, so. you know, I say to people like like the podcast is for it's not for people to listen to me so at least i talk the better um it's for the guests and what they have to say so um you made that one very easy for me david i really appreciate that <laughs> well you're welcome Carmen. Many, and, uh, many many thanks and yeah hope, hope you got no you problem and we'll, we'll, always always here if, uh, if you do need you know if you need any more information or, or, or you know, i've missed anything out that you wanted me to chat about ah brilliant thanks again david we'll chat to you soon cheers you take care Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. 
So that's it, folks, from episode 15 of the Lure Fishing Podcast. And what a wonderful chat with artist David Miller. If you'd like to come on the podcast yourself as a guest, or you can recommend somebody else who you'd like to hear, please drop me a line on any of my social media channels. In the meantime, if you'd like to subscribe to the channel on Spotify and maybe rate some of the podcasts, that'll help it bring it to a bigger audience. Thanks again, folks. See you next time.